This week's episode of Trek Geeks is brought to you by Fansets, the place for amazing pin collectibles. You know, they have close to 200 officially licensed Star Trek pins to choose from, with new pins coming out every month. See all the pins and collectibles they have to offer at fansets.com, and stay tuned for this week's special Trek Geeks discount code. Fansets. We are Star Trek. Hi, this is Andy Robinson, Elam Garrick on Star Trek Deep Space Nine, and you are listening to the biggest little podcast this side of the Gamma Quadrant. It's the Trek Geeks podcast with Dan Davidson and Bill Smith. Failure to tune in would not sit well with the Obsidian Order. recovery room at Podfleet Command, where we're still trying to get back on Eastern Daylight Time. It's the biggest little show this side of the Alpha Quadrant. You're indep- No, not independent. The flagship of the, of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. See, I'm still recovering. It's the Trek Geeks Podcast. I'm your co-host, Bill Smith. Thank you so much for downloading, even if I have no idea what's going on today. I assure you we're about to double down on that as soon as I introduce my co-host. He is, um, well... Let's just say he puts the crud in con crud. He's the uh, the very contagious Dan Davidson. And Dan, cough for me, buddy. Show me you still care. <laughs> well, now I'm going to cough. <laughs> Good to be here, man. Hey, it's a memory engram. It's going to be in there for a while. You're going to have to get it out of your system. It'll happen. Uh, and besides, just flagship sounds better, doesn't it? I, I really like the way that sounds. So uh, it's great to be here. Yeah, I'm suffering from a little bit of con crud from STLV, but I'm getting over it. It was worth it because we had a great time, and uh, we got a great discussion here uh, today regarding the state of Star Trek. It's going to be very fun. We had a great time last week, uh, probably one of the best times we've ever had mm-hmm. in Star Trek Las Vegas. Um, it was certainly one for the record books all around. Um, lots of great information, lots of great people, because really that's what it comes down to for us after all these right. years. It is. Absolutely. I've said it before. The best part about um, going to these conventions in Vegas every year is reuniting with old friends and meeting new friends and having them join the family. And that's exactly what happened this year. Uh, I think it was my favorite convention of the five in a row that I've gone to. Uh, I think you've said the same with your nine in a row. Uh, it's something we look forward to every year. We have a blast. And then the morning we leave, we're sad and already looking forward to the next one in 360 plus days. It didn't even take me the morning I left. It, the last day of the con, I woke up with post-con blues because I yeah. knew that it was it was the day it it was over. It's the day we started saying goodbye to people, right? And that to me was the worst part because, I mean, they expanded it to five days a few years ago um, with the the fiftieth anniversary convention, and I still don't think it's enough. It flies by way too fast. It does. And, and there's so much stuff going on. Um, you're, you're bound to miss something that you want to see because every, there's so many things going on in the different theaters and, of course, being in the vendor's room. And then 
everything else going on in the hallways, meeting people, seeing the different cosplays. There's tons going on. We actually joked once, uh, we've done it more than once, about how that extra day is nothing but a money grab for creation. But um, there's a lot going on, even on that first day. And it helps stretch it out a little bit, I guess. But yeah, they could add a couple more days and I'd be fine with it. Yeah, I'm not sure our spouses would be fine with that. But, True. But um, I know we would love it. Dan, something else I'd love is if you tell everybody listening how they can get in touch with us, possibly to share their stories from SDLV. It's not very often that you were, use the words Dan and love in the same sentence. So I'm going to take that as a compliment, buddy. It is uh, so easy to get in touch with us. Just head on over to trekgeeks.com slash contact, and you will find a variety of ways to get in touch with either Bill or myself. You can leave us a voicemail. You can Skype chat us. You can fill out the contact form and type us out a personalized message. Or you can even click on that big blue button on the right side of the website and leave us a message with your very own mellifluous voice using SpeakPipe. And hey, don't forget, the place to be on Facebook these days is the official Trek Geeks Facebook group, Camp Kittimer. Bring your Trek talk, your Trek picks, and your Trek love over to the site, and join over 1,400 other friends talk all things Trek. It is the place on social media where the Trek talk is positive, with no bashing or gatekeeping allowed. Plus, if there are new announcements about the Trek Geeks podcast network, you're going to hear about it first in Camp Kittimer before anyone else in the quadrant. So to join the group, just head on over to facebook.com slash groups slash Camp Kittimer and be ready to be part of a truly wonderful social experience. And as always, we want to thank our wonderful admins, Haley, Jackie, and Dan, for the amazing job they do running the camp. And please remember that any comments or messages you're leaving in any of these places, maybe use in a future episode. Back to you, Bill. Why, thank you, Dan. That was fantastic. As you can see, I've been joined here on the uh, Aww, on the official look. recording sofa with, with by Abby. Yes, um, she looks very content. Who's wondering what the hell is going on, much like me this whole week, because i am got no idea. Not, well, that's part of the course, isn't it? Dan, it's time for the news from treknews.net. Spanning the Alpha Quadrant. For all the news on all the Star Treks, y'all. It's treknews.net. In a world where we all read treknews.net, there's treknews.net. Dan, up first. Um, For your reading pleasure, because I know you're a pretty voracious reader. Voracious Uh, voracious means uh, you do it a lot. Thank you. Um, There are now several new Star Trek novels on the horizon, my friend. Thank you for explaining that, because I really had no idea. Reading is fun, Bill. Yes, as announced at STLV, there are not one, but two Star Trek Picard prequel stories coming from Simon & Schuster's Gallery Books and IDW. The first, Star Trek Picard Countdown, is coming in November, and it's going to be a three-part comic book miniseries written by Mike Johnson and Kirsten Bear. And that's going to focus on the mission that would go on to change the life of Jean-Luc Picard that we've heard about in the trailers. And the second story is The Last Best Hope, and it's a novel written by Una McCormick. And this novel is set to release next year, 
and will lead directly into the show and spotlight some of the new characters featured in the series. So that is pretty awesome. Additionally, this is good news too, uh, two new Kelvin timeline novels were announced at STLV called The Order of Peace by Alan Dean Foster and More Beautiful Than Death by David Mack, who just happens to be one of my all-time favorite Trek authors. What I find interesting here, Bill, is that Mac actually wrote this story more than 10 years ago, but the project was actually canceled. And Mac recently said on social media, quote, I'm very excited by this news because I've always been pleased by how that book turned out. I felt that it was a faithful continuation of those characters' stories, one that could not be possible in the original series incarnation of Trek. Next year, fans of the films and the books will get to decide for themselves whether I succeeded and if the book was worth the wait, end quote. I'm sure it's going to be awesome because all of uh, David Mack's books are just great. Uh, the Order of Peace is due out in April 2020, and More Beautiful Than Death is due out in August 2020. So uh, charge up your Kindle, folks, because we're ready to do some reading, yo. Charge up your Kindle. Now, as you've gotten older, are you a, a Kindle or guy or are you like still a hardcover, like nope. physical book guy? I am not Mr. Samuel T. Cogley. I go with the Kindle. You can load thousands and thousands of books, uh, and I'll do that. Um, we used to take books on vacation to the camp every year, and the year that I read the Harry Potter series uh, was a backbreaker. So um, I've been a Kindle person ever since then, as has Susan. It's pretty cool. Well, I, I right there with you. I mean, when I read, <laughs> if I read. Right. Because usually it has to have a lot of pictures because I'm not that bright. <laughs> um it's uh, pretty much always a, a Nook or a Kindle. So Yeah, absolutely. It's good stuff. And you can change the font. So as your eyes uh, degenerate and, and uh, get worse, as mine have been over the last few years, uh, it's good to be able to get that font larger so I don't have to read glasses. Or you read glasses? Wear glasses like I am right now. Well, you could read glasses. I mean, yeah. uh, it probably wouldn't have much to say, kind of like yourself. So Oh, um, yeah. Speaking of which, and, and this is this interchange actually reminds me of our next story, because I know you like to imbibe liquids of the alcoholic variety from time to time, because you sound like you've already started today. And uh, needless to say, you were very happy to stop by a particular booth at STLV, offering something new along those lines. Oh, yes, indeed. Yeah. On Thursday morning, I think it was, uh, we swung over to the vendor's booth. Uh, uh, called Wines That Rock, and we wanted to get some information about two new wines being offered, and uh, I, I got some, I'll say that, but uh, as a result of the new Picard TV series, uh, these wines are now available. Wines That Rock and CBS Consumer Products are now offering the 2016 Chateau Picard Bordeaux. It's an 85% Cabernet Sauvignon and 15% Merlot blend, described in its press release as, quote, subtly smoky and spicy, with a bright, fresh, clean-tasting style, end quote. Uh, what's so cool about this, Bill, is that um, there's actually been a Chateau Picard wine for generations, like 80 or 90 years, um, but of course it has no ties to the character of Jean-Luc Picard. CBS has worked with the vineyard to come up with an authentic label for the bottle, and after about a decade of work, it's finally coming to Star Trek fans everywhere. Chateau Picard isn't the only wine, though, that's coming. Uh, there's also a United Federation of Planets wine, which is a 2017 Old Vine Zinfandel uh, made um, at the Dry Creek and Russian River Valleys in Sonoma County, California. Um, it's a blend of Zinfandel, Petite Syrah, and Syrah. Syrah, Syrah. Um, it's got a strawberry, blackberry, and plum <laughs> <laughs> preserve with a chewy-layered mid-palate filled with hints of white peppercorn. Mm, 
Mm. So if you're interested in these new wines, head on over to StarTrekWines.com for pricing and shipping availability. It is going to go fast. They actually had a special two-pack offered the day the convention started, and it sold out online in minutes. So check it out. I can't believe you pulled a Doris Day reference and I laughed. (laughs) I'm really so ashamed of myself right now. Case Uh, Rasra. Ah, shut up. (laughs) And uh, and finally, Dan, uh, fans of Trek have some new releases available now or or very soon, as we've heard about at STLV. It is always great to have new stuff to add to the collection uh, here in Merrimack, New Hampshire. And it built... um, Well, instead of the much-hoped-for announcement of a Pike series that I wanted to see, Anson Mount did announce at his panel at STLV that a four-disc set for Season 2 of Star Trek Discovery will be released on November 12th. There will, of course, be all 14 episodes from Season 2, as well as nine different bonus features, plus auto-commentaries with Sonequa Martin-Green, Anson Mount, Ethan Peck, executive producer Alex Kurtzman, and director Jonathan Frakes. Season 2 of DSC is now available for pre-order at Amazon.com. But if you need some Star Trek titles now, the highly acclaimed DS9 documentary What We Left Behind is available for purchase in the U.S., Canada, and most European territories as a DVD or as a digital download. It actually holds the number one position for documentaries at Amazon.com, which is just amazing. Uh, The retail version contains the document itself as well as some bonus features. And Bill, rumor has it that a very handsome gentleman here of the Trek Geeks podcast can be seen in the bonus footage. So, uh, yeah, go get it. No, I'm not in that movie. No, you're not. (laughs) Oh, so so it's you. So you lied. (laughs) That's what I hear. Or, or a big, fat, ugly guy could be in it. You could do both ways. <laughs> yeah, so then I'm in it. So, okay. So I see where we're going. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's where we're going. Yeah. I, uh, I, it's very exciting. Well, and plus there was the Hallmark announcement that uh, there's going to be a, a TOS Enterprise tree topper. Uh, that's coming, right. Which is pretty exciting. And Mirror Universe character ornaments next year. Uh, who's not Who's not upset about that? Because I know I'm not. I say I know you're not. That's, oh, no. that's exactly what I was going to say. Speaking of Hallmark, we also saw that gigantic transporter ornament or tabletop uh, display, I guess you could say, because it's big and it's nice. And I'm getting that to go along with my mini transporter one that I love so much. The one that you repaired? Yes. Yeah, It, uh, it the sound broke, so I took it apart and rewired it and fixed it. Um, I didn't know that uh, I could be an engineer of sorts. <laughs> I know. I'm stunned because I talk to you on a daily basis. and <laughs> Right. You're lucky if you can figure out how paper bags work. What's a paper bag? <laughs> <laughs> well, Bill, here we are. Uh, it is um, almost time for Treconderoga. It's only coming up in a couple of weeks. We were at STLV, then we got a couple of weeks off, and then we're right back at it on the on the convention uh, highway, byway, so to speak. And uh, we're going to Ticonderoga, New York, to the official TOS Studio Tours. Uh, Treconderoga is coming up from August 23rd through the 25th. And as we've been talking about for several weeks, we're giving away two general admission tickets to the event, which is very cool. Um, we're very excited about this. We're going to hopefully have some some Star Trek friends join us. Um, so we're going to give away uh, two tickets, one 
one ticket to two different winners. Um, all other additional purchases uh, at the convention are the responsibility of the winner. Transportation and lodging is also the responsibility of the winner. So we, you know, we're not we're not we're not flying out the Benjamins, you know. So uh, so you got to take care of that. But we're very excited, Bill, and we're going to pick two winners right now. Are we? Because I, 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 you've said pretty much everything that needs to be said. I don't think you need me for this segment. I need you to. I need you to do me a favor. I've got a spreadsheet here in front of me with all of the uh, entries for the special contest that we had, where people had to send us a tweet with the hashtag Trek Geeks Enterprise. So I've got them all listed here, and I need you to pick a number between one and thirty, and that's going to be our first winner. And then I'm going to have you do it again, and we're going to have our second winner. It's just that simple. Okay. Um, alrighty, here we go. The first number I'm going to pick is 12 in, 12. in honor of the greatest of all time. All right. So we would like to congrats. <laughs> here we go. Number 12 on this list is Mike Bovia from, uh, at Trek Legacy is his Twitter handle. Um, it's right here. I can send, I'll send a screenshot, uh, at some point so that everybody can see uh, exactly what's going on here. But, uh, Mike Bovia is our first winner and, uh, we're very happy. Uh, we've, we've talked to Mike several times. He's got a great podcast. Of course, his uh, daughter Emily is, uh, a big fan of Voyager. Uh, so congratulations to, uh, Mike. Uh, we will get in touch with Mike as to how to pick up that ticket. So that's very cool. And, uh, Bill, I'm going to need you to pick one more number, and uh, we'll see where we go from there. Oh, the pressure. I don't know if I, I know. can do this. This is hard. It's not really that hard. This is among the hardest things I've ever done. That's, uh, <laughs> so I should pick a different number other than the one I just picked. I was yeah, hear you don't say. pick 12. That probably would be silly. Yeah, that, that probably would be. I'm going to pick... Um, I'm going to pick the opposite of that. I'm going to pick 21. Number 21. All right. So we have uh, the their Twitter handle is Mike and Jay. Um, and their Twitter address is at Gay Geek Queer. So that winner is also going to be joining us in Ticonderoga, New York. In uh, just a couple weeks' time, uh, we will get in touch with you. We'll make sure that you have everything set up so that when you show up to the set tour, you can uh, pick up your general admission ticket. Congratulations uh, to to both winners. We're very excited. Uh, and as we said a couple weeks ago, one of the rules is you have to come find us and, and uh, hang with us for a little bit because it's going to be pretty fun up there. Or they can hang with me because you're kind of intolerable. Wow. Thanks. Well, you know, Dan, we're back home, and we're thinking about all the stuff that happened last week at STLV, and it truly was a highlight to reunite with our good friends from Fansets. We had just <laughs> an absurd amount of laughs, lots of fun at the, the third annual Fan Geeks party, and of course, there were a ton of pins. I mean, in, in total, almost 20 new pins made their debut at STLV, and they truly were all awesome, and I have them all now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 you do, and I think I do too. Every single one of them was awesome, man. I, uh, they're all laid. Actually, you can't see it because my camera doesn't go that way, but they're all laid out on my Star Trek bed here in the studio, uh, which is pretty cool. I haven't, uh, I haven't put stuff uh, where I want them yet. I just, I'm looking at them and loving them. Um, the women of Trek pins are simply stunning, as I've talked about here on the show. I just love the colored glitter on these pins, but I gotta say, I think my favorite pin 
of the convention may be the STLV exclusive Uhura pin. Bill, this pin sold out at the convention in less than 24 hours. They were flying off the shelf, so to speak. Um, but for those who were not at STLV and really want to have this one-of-a-kind beauty, there is something you can do. If you head over to fansets.com anytime between now and midnight Eastern on August 31st and pre-order this pin, you will be able to get it. Fansets will only be ordering the number of pre-orders that come in by August 31st, and they'll be shipping those pins by mid-October. After August 31st, you will never be able to get this pin again, so do it right now. And also, Bill, now available on the Fansets website are two pins that were not even announced until after STLV started, and they are the latest in the autograph set of pins that started last year with William Shatner's Captain Kirk pin. You can now add the Brent Spiner autographed data pin and the Doug Jones autographed Saru pin to your growing collection. I'm just I'm flabbergasted by that because those last two happened at STLV. I yeah. mean, they they weren't on sale day one, and they were on sale during, at some point while we were there. And both of those pins just look incredible. Um, and these are not copies of the autographs. I mean, both Brent and Doug hand signed each of their respective pins. And I I could have this wrong, but I think there were only about a hundred pins for each of them. I, now each one comes with a certificate of authenticity, so you, you absolutely have to go to fansets.com and check them out. Now, of course, as a special bonus to Trek Geeks listeners, if you want to receive fifteen percent off your entire order at fansets.com this week, simply enter STLV pins at checkout. That's all capital letters, no spaces. STLV pins. And that bonus code is going to be available until Tuesday, August 20th, 2019 at midnight Eastern Daylight Time. Fansets. We are Star Trek. And we thank our friends at Fansets for sponsoring this week's episode. Well, Dan, we convene now to discuss um, something that you and I have been giving a lot of thought to over the past couple of years, which is the state of Star Trek. And we figured what better time to do that, really, than after the the largest Star Trek convention on the planet, which is Star Trek Las Vegas. Um, it's it's interesting to see how the fandom evolves in the time or has evolved in the time we've started going to this con. Uh, you mentioned this is your fifth straight and my ninth. And we've obviously seen a lot of trends. We've seen mm-hmm. a lot of we've seen a lot of faces, uh, old and new, uh, especially a lot of new lately, and I think we'll we'll cover that topic. But um what are your sort of high-level thoughts on the state of, of Star Trek? Are, are, are we going in the right direction? Well, I've been saying this for a couple of weeks now with all the different things that are going on uh, with new shows and, and the amount of energy, money, time, love that is going into these new shows. I think that this is the best time in history to be a Star Trek fan. There was a time where people were a little, you know, burnt out, they were saying, which I never really believed in regards to what Star Trek was doing when Enterprise was on, which is one of the reasons why I got canceled. Um, I just never bought into that. But now we have so much coming. We have so much going on right now. We have so much coming with the new shows. The excitement for Picard, I think, may be higher than the excitement for Discovery when Discovery was announced. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's really a great, it's a great time to be a fan. Uh, I really think it is. Now, we're going to have the people who are going to, um, you know, dissect every little thing and point out everything that's wrong. But I'm just at the point where I ignore those people now. It's Star Trek. I enjoy it. It's such a big part of my life. And I, I'm glad where we are. And I can't wait to see where that road goes. 
Yeah, it's really interesting to see, you know, over an almost 10-year period for me, because I started this um, really when we were kind of in the, uh, the, not really the dark times, but sort of the in-between times. You know, we had some movies, um, you know, we, we had, or we had a movie that had just recently come out. We had uh, no series on television, no prospects of a series on television. Yeah. And we were kind of relying on 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 what had come before to sort of propel us forward. And, and SCLV was a huge part of that. You know, fast forward to today, and I think it's only gotten more relevant as time has gone on. I think that it, it has become sort of a focal point for a good number of Star Trek fans. I mean, we're talking six to 10,000 people attend Star Trek Las Vegas every year. And I think that it has become a great method by which to build excitement for the fans. And with so much Star Trek in production right now, I mean, uh, I think I sense nothing but excitement this year. And I think that takes us into probably the first topic, which is the state of Star Trek fandom. I've sort of broken it into three categories. Um, and the first of which is is fandom itself. Um, I don't know about you, but I noticed a lot of younger attendees yes. this year. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that really got me excited. I mean, I don't mean just kids because we saw plenty of those. But I mean, I saw a lot of 20 and 30-somethings. Is that something that you also observed? Yes, I saw a lot of younger than that also, which I thought was great. You know, sometimes people are like, okay, Vegas really isn't the place for kids, but Star Trek conventions are, uh, and it just happens to be in Vegas. So I was very happy to see a lot of youngsters uh, in the in the different um, auditoriums walking around. Some of them were cosplaying, um, and I think that's great. I know we had the announcement of Lower Decks, and, and Alex Kurtzman wants to pull in that younger generation into Star Trek. And I think before the series has even started, that has started to happen already based on the amount of, of young people that we saw. Now, you're absolutely right. We saw a lot of the 20 to 30 age range of people, and I think... I think it just shows that the popularity of Discovery is out there, the um, the anticipation for what's coming with Picard and, and Lower Decks and whatever else is on the horizon and a new Nickelodeon show and, and, and so forth. Uh, Alex Kurtzman has made it very clear that he wants Star Trek all the time at some point on CBS All Access. And I think that um, people are re-watching the um, series from Deep Space Nine with last year's anniversary and Voyager next year and, of course, TOS 50, TNG 30. They're all out there in a way for people to watch. And I think, as we've seen on Twitter, more and more young people are starting to get involved in the show and really connect with any series that they're watching. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, in the past, we've also seen a, a large number of older fans. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that we've also been fortunate enough to see that sort of influx of, uh, of younger people. And I think that's what helps carry Star Trek forward. Um, I, I'm, I'm excited by that. I'm, I, I think it, it tells me that Star Trek is okay for the next generation. I think that we're learning that people significantly younger than us uh, get it you know people who would be the age of of uh, of of children that that might have been raised by generation x they understand that it's more than just a tv show they understand the message and i think that's the thing that i am comforted the most by it's not star trek's not going to fall by the wayside if that makes sense no, I don't think it's going to fall by the wayside at all. As a matter of fact, I think it's picking up more steam than it ever has. Um, and it's good to see that young representation and the old representation. You know, um, Star Trek TOS is 53 now. 
something like that. Um, and you still get even even a, a series that's fifty three years old. You still get a lot of young people watching it for the first time and really enjoying it. Our good friend Haley, uh, his daughter Chloe, watched the entire um, TOS series recently with with Haley, and she loves it. So. It doesn't matter if the if the if the series is fifty years old or thirty years old or two years old with Discovery. It's pulling people in. We're getting more and more young people becoming fans of Star Trek, and that means that that fandom is going to continue, however long, because they're just starting, and it's going to go for the rest of their lives, and they're going to get their kids, and then they're going to tell two friends, and so on, and so on, and so on. Well, you know, good stories and good storytelling, more importantly should be timeless, and I, I think that's what we're learning with Star Trek. There may be elements of it that are dated for the period in which it was produced, mm-hmm. but these stories and the manner in which they're told, because I think that's just as important, you know, are are here forever. They, they, they've proven they'll stand the test of time and will continue to do so. Now, I think one of the things that surprised me the most, because we hear a lot of disparaging comments on social media, I think is the, the nicest way to say it, is how well represented Discovery fandom was at STLV this year. I'm not going to lie. I was really surprised. We saw a lot of Discovery cosplay. And I'm not Mm -hmm. just talking about, you know, a dozen people or so. We must have seen hundreds of Discovery era uniforms. And including me. I mean, I had one. Mm -hmm. um, And I've never done that before. Thank you. Thank you. Um, But... I think that's something that really excited me just as much as seeing the the influx of youth is that Star Trek Discovery is not what the naysayers and the purveyors of online, you know, outrage say it is. It is Star Trek and it is here and people have taken to it as their trek. I was I was dumbfounded by some of the things that I saw with the with the cosplayers and the amount of of time, love, and energy that went into some of these outfits. It really was great to see. And, you know, we, we've said it before, we've never really had a convention where we've had a Star Trek series actually on the air uh, when we've been there. And you can tell that people love this show. It is Star Trek, as we've already said. Anybody who says it's not Star Trek can just stop watching and stop posting because you're the minority, and it's 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 ridiculous to think anything different. Um, and I really was – I was very proud to see all of those people in Discovery cosplay and talking about Discovery and waiting in line forever to get Discovery cast members' autographs and pictures. That's the other thing. Discovery itself was well represented. Not just the fandom, but the Discovery cast was there. And they are all so gracious and so amazing to talk to. And it shows that the series is successful – it is popular, and anybody who goes out on social media and and vomits their tripe out about how it's going to be canceled and how it's terrible is just plain wrong. There's no other way to say it. You are wrong, and it's just your opinion. And while you're, you can have your opinion, I don't want to read it, so stop posting it. I can't fault you for any of that. I think um, – and, and I, we discussed this with Matt Miller from the Trek Zone. Um, you know, th- this, this cast of Discovery, they're not just a – plugged into social media, but they are key on social interaction with fans. It's not just they keep their head down and they sign like, you know, a a baseball player at a a card show or in some cases, some other, you know, Star Trek actors who've been doing this quite a while. Mm -hmm. They interact with every single person. We're going to talk more about that later, but um, they totally are a different 
breed. And yeah. I think that they, that is something that, you know, this new you know, part of fandom really takes to. Um, I think it's all incredibly exciting. Um, there's a reason why discovery is well represented. That's because it's connecting with people. Um, I mean, not every Star Trek is going to connect with every person. I mean, hell, it's taken me 25 years to develop an affinity for Voyager, for right. God's sake. Mm-hmm. But this one is working for so many people, and I think that that's, that's truly exciting. Um, it also tells me that there's a lot of excitement for forthcoming shows, ones that are in production that we have not yet seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, everybody wants to talk about Picard first, but I'm going to leapfrog that and I'm going to go straight to Lower Decks because the Lower Decks panel was incredibly popular. It was very well attended and there was a genuine excitement for this first animated track in decades. And I'm really kind of surprised by it. And I don't mean that in a negative way. Oh, I'm, I think it's, I think it's great. Um, I, I know that we've talked at first, uh, when we first heard that there may be an animated series coming out, we were a little, huh? What? Uh, how's that going to be? Is that going to be popular? But I'll tell you what, it is just the, the, um, anticipation for it, especially when we got some actual imagery, um, in San Diego Comic Con a few weeks ago as to what the characters are going to look like and, and a little bit of background about what it's going to, what the show is going to, uh, entail really starts getting people's curiosity uh, level upped and and they're anticipating it even more. I'm I'm very 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 excited about this. I was I was a little I was a little like okay, what's this going to be like? But the more and more I think about it, the more I read about stuff, I'm very excited. You know, Mike Mc, uh, McMahon, is that how you pronounce his last name? Um uh, definitely knows what he's doing. Um, I, I actually got to say on a side note, I was so embarrassed after the fact when I had my cosplay contest um, on Saturday afternoon, he was one of the judges in the room and I didn't realize it was him until after the fact. <laughs> <laughs> we passed him in the hallways at STLV at least a dozen times. Yeah. And I, he was with a, a group of people, which I presume were most of the, the writing staff on Lower Decks because I know they were pretty much all there. And um, they were just sort of hanging out the whole time, and yeah. and they're fans. Of, that's it. They're they're fans. You know, they were geeking out like the rest of us. And I think yeah. that 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 is the most exciting thing. I think of all the series that have happened to date, um, Discovery and Lower Decks specifically are ones that have a bunch of fans on the writing staff. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's pretty cool because how many franchises get to have that sort of full circle comeuppance yeah you know the the work of, of the show develops the fans and most things don't stay along round and uh, stay around long enough for fans to come work on the thing that they became fans of right so i i'm pretty excited by it i i i i'm actually i was kind of I was I was kind of mixed feelings about the show, and then after the convention, I'm all in. I want to see this. I think it's going to be a great addition to Star Trek lore, um, and I'm just going to enjoy the entertainment for what it is, and not worry about all the the stuff like, well, is this canon? Is that canon? Because mm-hmm. I, I I don't care. Right, and you know, I think I think it's a part of. Uh, I'll say it. I think Alex Kurtzman may be a genius in the fact that. I think he's purposely bringing in these people that are fans because we've been talking about so long how fans really, you know, they dissect every episode and they know what's going on with every character. So why not bring these people in that know so much about the the franchise to help develop it further for future generations? And I think that's a, a, a really a genius move on his part. And if I'm 
not mistaken, I think uh, Mr. Shabon, who's going to be running the Picard series, this is his lifelong dream is to be involved in a Star Trek series um, because he's such a fan. So um, that's I th- and I th- I think that that would be the smart move going forward with all of the shows. We haven't even talked about Section Thirty One yet today. That's another one that um, we don't have any information on other than it's coming. So it'll be interesting to see if they're able to do the same thing with that, as well as the Nickelodeon show that has yet to be a title. I imagine we'll see more about those next year at STV, yes. especially since we've been told Section Thirty One isn't going to premiere until sometime after Season Three of Discovery. Right. Um, uh, I. I'm all in for that. I I can't wait because, uh, like you said, it's it's being written by fans. It's being written by writers who we have a, you know a, a love of their work right in in Bowie and Erica, um, and plus I mean Michelle Yeoh. <laughs> um, well, go ahead. Drop mic. That's yeah, all I was going to say. <laughs> that's it. Um, this takes me to probably the next element in which we will examine the state of and that is the convention itself we've mentioned that we had a great week probably one of our best ones yet um but the the convention is its own special animal and its own special piece of fandom and i think that's worth examining um and i think i have to start with the convention location uh the rio the rio all suites hotel in uh Las Vegas, Nevada. As we well know, I've stated this many times, it's not my favorite hotel. Mm-hmm. Um, it it needs a lot of care and upkeep. And, and to date, Caesars Entertainment, which is the owner of the Rio, has not been willing to put that effort or dollars into making that happen. That said, I will say that I do think the Rio convention space lends really well to Star Trek Las Vegas. Um, I, I think that the main theater is is perfect for the venue. I think the dealer's room is, it's gargantuan. And plus there are other satellite rooms in which things can happen. Plus it's not laid out all over the place like some other hotel convention space. Mm-hmm. The one at the Bellagio seems to be a, a a dizzying array of corridors and it feels like a maze at times. So I do think that the Rio's convention space lends very well to Star Trek Las Vegas. And as long as the Rio still remains to, to be standing, I think the convention's probably going to be there for a long time. I have to agree with everything you just said. Um, as a place to stay uh, with the rooms, there's a lot to be desired with the Rio. We've talked about it a lot. There's a lot of work that needs to be done. We heard people had no water. We heard some people's water um, was off and then turned on because they were testing it in the middle of the night and because they were testing it and, and it wasn't working, it came on in the middle of the night and and it wasn't draining properly so their bathroom got flooded. I mean, just, just we, we've seen um, that it's not the um, most attractive of places. The rooms, uh, you know, the carpets aren't that great. And, but, but yeah, that's just a place to sleep. The convention site itself where the convention is held I think it's perfect for the conve- for, for STLV. I love the fact that we can be having breakfast at Hash House, um, and there's that long corridor that everybody walks down in order yeah. to get to the convention area, and that is fantastic because you see the cosplay, you see the stars, you see people that you that you are waiting to meet you haven't seen in a year walking by. I think that's fantastic. I love the layout of all of the different rooms, like you said, the hallway. I think that's perfect. And it's kind of hard for me to picture STLV being anywhere else because I think that convention space fits perfectly for STLV. Um, if it changes, which I'm sure it will someday, um, 
you know, I may be corrected and I may love where it goes to, but right now the convention space at the Rio is perfect for STLV, but the Rio itself, I don't think we're staying there next year. <laughs> no, I think all the public areas of the Rio are, are pretty okay. Yes. Um, it's when you get into the, the actual accommodations for guests in the hotel rooms that it really is, is what leaves a lot to be desired. And unfortunately that's, that's a, a big chunk of, of everybody's stay. It's, it's what you, it, that's the part you pay for when you right. go to the Rio. Exactly. Um, I mean, the convention is its own cost, which is creation, which we'll talk about momentarily. But, um, when I first started going to Star Trek Las Vegas, it was actually at the Hilton. Oh, um, okay. and I, I didn't like that layout nearly as much as I liked the layout of the Rio. Okay. I feel like there's more. There's also more space at the Rio, but uh, the main theater much bigger at the Rio. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it is a great venue for for the convention. And I'm glad that it's back there next year. But like you said, yeah, I'm not staying there. <laughs> yeah, we'll find someplace else, and we'll just take a, an Uber or Lyft or a cab or walk. Yeah, yeah, we'll <laughs> walk is better. Hundred and bazillion degree heat. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> well, that sounds good. Well, one of the other things that struck me about the convention was the attendance overall this year. And I felt like, at least visually, it looked like a lot less people. I agree. Uh, Okay, so it's not just me. We know that they removed rows from general admission toward the back. Mm -hmm. There was a much bigger open space there. Yes. Um, Whereas their previous years, there were as many rows as possible. Mm -hmm. Um, But some of the panels looked like they had light attendance. Some of the headline panels were jam-packed, I will say that. Yeah. Um, but the hallways seemed a lot less congested this year as well. I have to agree. I, I noticed that too. I actually, uh, especially even on Saturday, I'm like, wow, it's not as, you know, it's not shoulder to shoulder, which it has been in past years, especially in the hallway. And, and I I welcomed that because sometimes it's it's really tight, especially in the vendor's room. Sometimes the vendor's room can just be ridiculous yeah. on the busy years. Now, I don't know if it's because of, you know, We've got new tax laws in the United States, and we did hear from a lot of people that because of things that happened with taxes, they were not able to have the money to be able to go to STLV this year, and that is really too bad. So we know several people that weren't able to go for that. It could just be this year there was no real quote-unquote huge anniversary. There were anniversaries this year like TMP40 and and Generations, which I know that you're very excited about, but there was no Deep Space <laughs> Nine. There was no TOS or TNG. Um I have a feeling that next year it will be much bigger than this year was because, of course, um, as we're going to get into um, next year's Voyager 25. So I think that that has something to do with it as well. People might want to wait for a big event um, to go back. Um, but it was it was definitely um, a lesser attendance than we have seen in previous years. Well, and I think that tourism to Las Vegas is down overall right now. I heard many comments about people saying, you know, they were on the strip, you know, and they went to dinner at a restaurant. They didn't even have to wait. Yeah. You know, places like Margaritaville on a Friday night were, you know, not not empty, but certainly not a wait for a table, which is uncharacteristic of, you know, that center strip venue because Margaritaville does a ton of business. Right. Um, and plus, it seemed like there were just less people walking, you know, out and about. So I have to believe that tourism was probably down overall this year, probably because of, of financial reasons, like you cited for some of our friends. Um, and I found that very interesting. I'm glad that it was at least a very robust convention um, in the terms of content mm-hmm. for the people who were able to make it. And I, I still feel like it was a healthy turnout. Don't get me wrong. Yes, but uh, But certainly down from previous years, without a doubt. Yeah, absolutely. So this takes us to the 
convention organizer, the producer, Creation Entertainment. As you know, they've had the license for so, so long. They kind of created the business of Star Trek conventions. Um, and and a sort of an assessment of how they did this year. Um, I've had a love-hate relationship with Creation ever since I started going to conventions. I feel like they will nickel and dime you on some things. Um, but overall, they turn out a tremendous product. I do think that some of the panels had some new moderators, which were fantastic. Um, but I think we've reached a point where Adam Malin, the the sort of co-CEO and founder of Creation, um, needs to stop Ugh. moderating panels. There are times he's really great. And when he is, he's right on the money. But when he's not like the Sinequa Martin Green panel, mm-hmm. he is he's shown it's time to just let somebody else take over full time. I totally agree. I was not at that panel, unfortunately. I really wanted to go to it, but I had other things going on, so I wasn't able to. But Twitter sure let us know that it wasn't something that uh, people were happy with. And I totally agree. I, 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 I'm going to be honest, and I don't mean to be mean, but I've never actually seen a panel that he's hosted that I've been impressed with him. Now, yeah. I haven't seen a lot with him, um, so he probably knocked some out of the park, and that's great. But I totally agree. Um I, too, have a love-hate relationship with creation. Uh, We talked about how we thought that that extra day has been nothing more than a money grab. And for the first year, I think that was, and maybe even the second year. This year, I think it was a little bit more going on, so it may not have been. Um, But we've also heard from from people that have been involved in the convention and going to convention for years that they've kind of had it with the way the creation handles things. And that's, that's too bad. I mean, I understand it's a business, but at the same time, it's a business that is put that was created so that fans could enjoy these things that they love so much with all the different franchises. Cause they do a lot more than just star Trek, but uh, yeah, uh, it'll be interesting to see how things uh, come along next year with Voyager 25. If there's any changes, we know that there's been rumors about whether or not um, uh, contracts will be renewed with, with creation going forward with the, with the convention. Um, and is that, you know, is it is it possibly in jeopardy because of these relationships that have gone south a little bit? I guess we'll find out. You know, it, it's interesting because, it, you know, for, for all the, the things we could not creation about, I, I will give them their due. Unlike other conventions, uh, everybody who has a ticket gets a seat in the main theater. Right. That doesn't happen at San Diego Comic-Con. Exactly. That, from what I understand, I don't know if this is true or not, that doesn't happen at Star Wars Celebration. Um, or any of the other read pop conventions, you know, the, uh, the Star Trek mission, New York, that absolutely was not true. Mm-hmm. So to their credit, everybody that buys a ticket gets a seat in the theater. Right. Um, and I, I think that that is part of the essential experience of a Star Trek convention. Um, they also have done a fantastic job with bringing talent to the conventions and offering a wide variety of programming. Star Trek has a 50 plus year history and they do their best to address all eras. Um, I have to admit that. Um, This year, there were even panels for the animated series, which I I thought was fantastic. So um, on the downside, um, I I do think it's time to maybe refresh the model a little bit and and maybe go with some other moderators. Um, I think that's probably my my greatest uh, criticism of them at this time, although that's not to say I didn't enjoy myself this year. I've seen some video of some of the panels I, I, I didn't attend personally. And the ones I did attend personally had other moderators, which were fantastic. Scott Mance did a, a fantastic job. 
Um, I got Ian Spelling did a fantastic job. Amy Imhoff did yes. wonderfully. Mm-hmm. Um, and probably, you know, had some of my favorite panels of the weekend. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's time for a bit of a change to evolve. As fandom has evolved, I think so too must the convention. I'll moderate. <laughs> I, I would love to see a Truck Kicks moderated panel. That would be pretty awesome. We didn't gl- pitch one this year, and yeah, it was I'm, shot down. So I'm glad you brought it up. Amy, our friend Amy Imhoff just absolutely killed it, the ones that she was uh, uh, hosting. She did a great job, uh, and uh, very happy for her, because I know that she had a fantastic time also. So, yeah, I agree with everything you said, man. There's there's positives and there's negatives to, to with what creation's doing in, in these conventions, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how things go forward. Well, that takes us to my next aspect of, of the state of the con. You know, there are people who don't like Las Vegas, Dan. Um, mm-hmm. I can't imagine it, but for some <laughs> other, for whatever reason, and it's all based on personal taste, and I respect that, um, even though I joke about it a little bit, um, there are people who, who don't like attending the convention in Las Vegas. So I'll ask you this. Should the convention remain in Las Vegas, or should it move around to different cities in, in the same fashion as, like, say, Star Wars Celebration? I don't like that idea. Um, if if it's not going to be in in Las Vegas, I would hope that it is that it is moved to a location that is central to the United somewhere central United States, so it's kind of equal for both coasts to get to, um, and then have it there for a set amount of years. I'm not a big fan of the idea of it jumping around because selfishly, if it's on the West Coast, that's just going to be a huge pain in the butt to get to for us. It's a much longer flight. Um, We're not familiar with the area. Vegas isn't central, and it is kind of West Coast, um, but it's it's a staple. Um, It's something we're used to, and I like it. You know, change is inevitable, and if it's going to move somewhere, I'd rather have it at a central location instead of bouncing around all over the country. I think that's going to make it harder for people to actually coordinate and put the convention together if it's if it's at a different place every year too. So, you know, want to help out those people also. So my vote would be keep it in Vegas. Uh, if not, move it to somewhere central in the United States uh, and keep it there for a long period of time. Um, I don't want to see it rotate cities. I'm not a no. big fan of that, like you said. I'm actually a big fan of it remaining in Las Vegas. You know, for the number of people who, who attend at its maximum, you need a large convention space. Right. And Las Vegas has more convention space than any city in America. And, uh, you know, unless you're talking about like going to another major metropolitan area, uh, and, and, and doing something like that, I don't know that you have one that, that rivals some of the spaces that we already have. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I'd be less inclined to go to a Star Trek convention, um, you know, a, a single big Star Trek convention if it were any place else, uh, yeah. simply just because I, I, there's more to do in Vegas. There's more to be mm-hmm. entertained by. There are more four and five star restaurants, or even three star restaurants in Las Vegas than any other city in America. Um, I think Las Vegas has a lot to offer besides just the Star Trek convention. I think that that's where the value is in it for a lot of people. I totally respect those people who don't like Vegas. I get it. I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm I'm all in on Vegas because I mean, well, I love Vegas. So you do. Vegas is your Disney. Uh, in a way, I mean, I've been there more times than anywhere else, but only because uh, through a lot of the last 15, 16 years, they've made it insanely cheap to go. Yeah. 
you know, you can do a long weekend away for a hell of a lot cheaper than you can do Disney sometimes. <laughs> right. Oh, that, yeah, that's true. Absolutely. No, I, I agree with you. I'd like I'd like it to stay in Vegas as well. Um, you know, I'm trying to think of cities that would, you know, in the central United States that would work. And, you know, I'm coming up with Dallas and Chicago. But that's really it. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, Vegas has my vote. Yeah, Vegas has my vote for now, too. Um, and I think that it's going to have creations vote for quite a while, simply just because Star Trek Las Vegas has been very successful for them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the only big Star Trek show they do every year now, and that's because it takes a lot to put it on. And the product they put out is is actually quite great. So, right. uh, so as we look ahead to next year, Dan, obviously it's another big anniversary year with Voyager 25. Um, I think the state of the con is in good hands coming into that anniversary. Mm-hmm. And I think that next year is going to be pretty amazing. It honestly might rival TNG 30. I actually am looking forward to this now more than TNG 30 when TNG 30 was announced. Wow. Because what we've talked about is our new appreciation for Voyager. It's fresh right now. We both really have been enjoying it. Your rewatch is going very well. I'll, I'm popping in Voyager episodes more than others right now just to, you know, to renew myself with it. Um, seeing Kate Mulgrew at the con this weekend and her time on the stage was just unbelievable. And I only caught the last five minutes of it and I was blown away by her speech. I actually got to take a, a great picture of her at her book signing for the, our friends at Fansets when they presented her with a, um, uh, with a framed uh, Janeway pin from the Women of Trek. She was so gracious and so nice. Um, I can't wait for Voyager 25. I'm very, very excited. And uh, yeah, it's it's going to be awesome. Well, this kind of takes us to the overall state of the franchise. I mean, we've talked about fandom. We've talked about the convention. But I mean, these things wouldn't exist without the Star Trek franchise themselves. Um, so it makes sense to examine that at least at a high level at this time. We've talked about how there is probably no, there hasn't been a better time to be a Star Trek fan. And while it can seem like hyperbole at times, I think that that's, that's probably more true than you or I actually realize. Mm-hmm. Um, we have an amazing array of talent that's come into the Star Trek universe, both on the creative side, you know, writing and also, you know, in front of the camera. We have a bunch of <laughs> we have a bunch of new Star Trek coming our way as we've talked about on a on a variety of occasions. There's six new short treks. There's Star Trek Picard. There's Star Trek Lower Decks. There's season three of Star Trek Discovery. There's uh, a yet unnamed animated series for Nickelodeon and a Section Thirty One series coming. Um, I think that that we live in an absurdly um, rich amount of Star Trek in our lives right now. And when you and I were, I don't know, kids in like, say, 1976, <laughs> I, I don't think we could have imagined that there would ever be a time like this. I don't even know if in 1996 we could have imagined this. Um, you know, back then when there were, you know, the occasional next-gen movie in production and two other television shows. So um, I, I got to say, um, it, it really is true that, that there really is – not only no better time to be a Star Trek fan, but I think there is no better time to be witnessing the Star Trek franchise. I think that this franchise is strong. I think that um, by the time you and I are old men, um, it's going to be an even bigger and more amazing thing than it is right now. And I think that that's pretty exciting. It's changing lives on a daily basis, and now it has yeah. the chance to change lives even more on a daily basis because of everything that's going on. 
Can you imagine, you talked about 1976, before the first movie even came out, can you imagine that at one point, just TOS was all that anybody had for Star Trek at all? And people were fine with that and loved it. Now look where we've gone. 700 plus episodes of television, uh, Star Trek, all the movies, all the books, all the stuff to look forward to with the shows that you just listed off. We've got now, we've got animated, we've got people writing animated series books um, that are that look fantastic, by the way, with Aaron Harvey's uh, book coming out. And all the other novels, the tie-ins, the comics, so much stuff. There's so many things going on. There's still video games, and hopefully one day it'll be there'll be a good one. And 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 I say that in <laughs> joke because there are a couple out right now that are good. Um, but it really is the best time. And I know I'm biased, and I know you're biased. I never see a Star Trek burnout happening ever. We've we've talked about. Um, where the state of Star Trek is with Alex Kurtzman running the show. And so far, I got to say, I'm pretty happy with what he's done because he's doing exactly what we as fans have wanted, and that's more Star Trek. People are always saying, we want more Star Trek. We want more Star Trek. We're finally, we finally have someone who's giving us that. And if people are going to now say, oh, we have too much Star Trek, they're nothing but hypocrites because that's what we've been asking for for so long. Now we're getting it. Enjoy it. It's going to be fantastic. I can't wait for this ride because it's never going to end. I remember when Next Gen premiered in 1987. And I got my first look at it, and I said, that's not Star Trek. <laughs> you know, and I was wrong. I was yeah. 100% wrong. And it, it taught me that Star Trek has to evolve. I mean, it looked different from the 60s than it did in the 70s. And then it looked different in the 70s than it did in the 80s and 90s. And, and Star Trek has to evolve its methods, its production, it, the way in which it tells stories to continue to remain a reflection of of us in this time period, whenever that time period happens to be. And we are getting more Star Trek now, and 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 it's good. Uh, it's good for Star Trek. It's good for fandom. And uh, like you said, people say that, you know, I want Star Trek, but not that, don't really want new Star Trek. They want what they grew up with, and that's just never going to happen again. Right. I absolutely agree. Goodness, I can't say anything better than that because you just nailed it, man. Well, I think it's safe to say, Dan, that the state of Star Trek is strong and it's only getting stronger from year to year. Um, yeah, there are things that you know we don't agree with from time to time. There are episodes we don't like from time to time or movies yep. that we think fall short. But overall, I think the state of Star Trek is exciting. And I tell you what, there are, as I check my phone... And I've for time. <laughs> I know you're doing. I set up a countdown <laughs> on my phone every year, and uh, there are at present 360 days. There you go until Star Trek Las Vegas next year. Uh, I it's 360 days too many. It um, is, and I, I can't wait. So I, I'm very happy with Star Trek, and I suspect you may be too. Absolutely. The, my conclusion on the state of Trek is it is exactly where I want it. There's more coming. What we've got is something that we will always love. And the anticipation of what to see with these new shows, like I said before, we were ecstatic with Discovery. I don't think the level of excitement even comes close to what we're seeing with the excitement with the Picard series. It really is amazing to see the reaction uh, of what this is and with that new trailer that came out at San Diego Comic-Con. you know, and it, it, I'm sure that has a lot to do with the fact that Sir Patrick Stewart is coming back to reprise the role, but... Um, 
it's I can't wait. And there's so much more to look forward to. So next year, we're going to have Voyager 25. Plus, we're going to probably have new information on shows that we know are coming. Plus, probably information on shows that we don't know are coming. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm I'm in a very happy place. I'm smiling a lot, which doesn't happen always when I'm recording with you. So I'll take it. Wow. I was going to springboard off your comment into something enjoyable, but now you've ruined it for all of us. <laughs> oh, no, you can do it. That's okay. They know. They know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, we did have such a great time last week, and we can't really get out of a discussion on, you know, centered around the things we observed at a Star Trek convention without talking about the time we had at a Star <laughs> Trek convention. I think that would that would kind of do it an injustice. And um, we did have such a wonderful week last week. Um, so many amazing moments that were more than just catching up with old friends. Um, yeah. I, things that, well, I've said for, for a couple of years now that STLV sort of refuels my my fandom every year. You know, uh, I, I, I said this a couple of times last week. I was like, you know, producing a podcast for 40 plus weeks out of the year, every year is, is hard. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not easy. And we do it joyfully. We do it because we love it. But there are times where it's it's a grind and it's a slog and sometimes it's hard to do with everything that life has going on right um that's not a complaint please please don't misunderstand um but getting the ability to just sort of downshift and enjoy being around a bunch of people who love the same thing i do is is really it really refuels me and i i love star trek las vegas every single year um, some years and more, a little more than others. <laughs> True. Um, and this year was, was no exception. We had the time of our lives. We really did. Um, we, we talked at the beginning of the episode that it was probably our favorite, uh, STLV that we've gone together. Um, and, and in addition, the ones that you've been before I joined you with, um, with, um, five years ago, there were several things that had took place during the week that I wanted to just mention really quickly that I really really grabbed onto and loved. Of course, meeting all of our Trek family is, is, is always going to be the best thing about the convention. We just love, uh, reuniting with, with friends and, and meeting new friends. But a couple of things took place during the week that really stood out for me. And in no particular order, I don't have one favorite over another, but, um, one of the first things that took place is I was able to meet Scott McDonald, who played Tosk in my in my episode Captive Pursuit. Um, that was really something. I I didn't, I didn't know he was going to be there. Um, I was able to meet Cole Meaty last year, so to be able to meet Scott, I talked to him to for a few minutes. Um, I told him my story. He was he was dumbfounded. He was so gracious. Um, I got to take a picture with him, uh, just like I did with Cole Meany. Um, and just a little, a little spoiler here, Bill. Um, we may actually be able to, um, have a discussion with Scott McDonald here on the podcast, uh, in the very near future. He wants to come on, uh, based on the story that I told him. So, uh, it was really great to meet him. Uh, I think a, a highlight for both of us was finally meeting Bowie Kim in person. Yeah. Uh, that was really fantastic. She is just absolutely wonderful. Um, just so, such a such a bundle of energy and sunshine. I just I, I had to tell that story really quickly. I, sure, I don't mean to interrupt you, but um, so we're in the in the dealer's room on the last day of the convention. It's Sunday afternoon, and we're walking around the corner, and all of a sudden we almost run right smack dab into her. And I'm like, <laughs> oh Bowie, and she goes, yeah, <laughs> and then we introduced ourselves, and it was like. It was like a family reunion, yeah. um, in a way, because I mean, 
we've talked about it plenty online. Um, we've had plenty of great conversations with with her and, and Erica and, and Ted Sullivan as part of Star Trek Discovery. Um, and uh, it, it was great to finally be able to, to meet her in person. And it was just such a, a natural conversation. Um, yeah. I relayed that moment of uh, realizing that the writer's room listens to Discovering Trek mm. and being terrified to do Discovering Trek that next week. <laughs> <laughs> well, because it, it takes on a, it, you know, because we, we put this stuff out into the ether. We have no idea who's going to listen or how it's, how it's going to be received. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, we hope that people enjoy it. And that's, that's kind of why we do it. But when you realize that people actually making Star Trek, mm-hmm. listen to you talk about Star Trek, it's like, it's, uh, it's next level. It's like, uh, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I had a similar moment with Anthony Rapp, actually. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I was getting his autograph, and and uh, I had my Discovering Trek shirt on, and I had a my badge. I had a Discovering Trek badge that you made, which is beautiful, and I had it hanging around my neck. And I got up to his table and pulled my poster out and said, it's it's great to see you again, Anthony, because, of course, we had seen him last year. And, and he looks at me and smiles and then looks down and sees my Discovering Trek badge and looks back up with me with a curious look on his face. And he goes, Discovering Trek. Are you Dan or Bill? <laughs> and I'm just like, oh my god! I go, uh, I'm Dan, and he shakes my hand. And he goes, I listen to every one of your episodes. They're awesome. You guys do a great job. That was an oblique moment right there, uh, very similar to the story that you just told with uh, about Bowie. So that it's, was very cool. It's along the same lines of you know hearing from Garrett Wong when when we did the Timeless episode, mm-hmm. and then realizing afterward that he listened to it because he yeah. he told us about it. I'm yeah. like, uh uh, it, it's yeah. really, it's really kind of a weird thing, um, and you think we'd be used to it after four and a half years, but we're not. Nope, nope. Very humbled. Um, it was really great. I got to make Sonequa Martin Green cry, so that was that was good. And it was by more than just showing <laughs> just, up in her presence. Exactly. Uh, Sonequa was so gracious, and and she talks with every person who comes to her table for autographs, and she talks to you. She doesn't just say the the lines that you know that you know some stars may say. She talks and engages with you. So I told her about how important Star Trek is, and and how it's great that she's taken this this huge mantle and is is just doing such a great job carrying it. And then I told her why Star Trek is so important, and did a brief rundown of of my story, and. She had tears running down both sides of her face on both cheeks, and I was I was humbled by that. It was it was really great to meet her. She was so wonderful. And then of course, um, uh, yeah. If anybody wants to call my my cell phone and and just listen to my uh, my greeting, it's Doug Jones as Saru talking about me. <laughs> so that's kind of cool too. That was a that was a fun moment. But I got to say, Bill. I had more fun than anything doing my Galt cosplay. It was a dream come true. I loved it. I stayed in character almost the entire day, and I just had a blast with it. It's something I'll never forget. Were there any moments where you fell out of character simply because you were laughing? Because you laugh constantly. One. There was one time where I laughed, and it was um, we had met Michelle Specht and a group of other ladies that were doing uh, Starfleet flight attendants, and I was taking a, a couple pictures with Michelle, and she said something, and I just started laughing, and then I realized it, and I was like, oops, can't do that, went right back into character. <laughs> That's the only time. <laughs> that had to be the hardest part for you, was not laughing all day long. I just thought of you and got mad, so it was easy. Wow, see, I'm trying to give you some credit, <laughs> and I hope people hear what a jerk you're being. <laughs> no, it was, it was it was hard to do. It was fun to do, and that's one of the things I enjoyed most. Is when I was on the stage at the Nimoy Theater, I stayed in character the entire time I was on stage, and I think it really worked. Oh, without a doubt. You know, I have some uh, some moments that that are, are really special for me this past year. I got to say, the first of which was meeting Anson Mount. 
Um, what a delightful guy. Uh, and, and the same with Jason Isaacs, by the way. Yes. Um, Jason Isaacs is hilarious. Um, but Anson Mount, I mean, I, I, I'm not going to lie. I have a little bit of a man crush on the guy. Um, he he is Pike to me. Um, mm-hmm. Super, super gracious. You know, you expect a, you know, a lot of actors to be sort of self-centered egomaniacs. And Anson Mount, I think, is anything but. Right. I think all actors have to have a healthy ego on some mm-hmm. level because, I mean, it's what they do is not easy. They 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 assume other you know identities and personalities to, to entertain others. And right. And that's uh, that's not something everybody can do well. Yeah. And uh, Anson Mount just made it look so effortlessly with Pike. And then I have to say my two best signing experiences autograph wise or three. I'm going to say that three. Uh, the first one was Doug Jones. Mm-hmm. I brought a copy of my article for Star Trek.com on what I've learned from Saru. And I printed out on really heavy card stock and I brought it with me to have Doug sign in the white space. And he was just so gracious and kind and, and thanked me for my words, which kind of blew me away a little bit because you, uh, again, you put these things out there. You never know who's going to see them. Right. And, uh, and Doug and I talked about it a little bit. It was really just such a great interaction, but you know what? I have to say, uh, one of my top interactions was from Shatner. Um, Shatner gets a lot of grief. I understand that a lot of people have had some experiences with Shatner that are less than stellar, no pun intended. And uh, I brought my my con vanity plate because I, I recently got rid of it. And I said, well, you know what? If I'm going to get rid of it, I'm going to get it signed by the man himself to, to give it sort of the retirement it deserves. So I brought it and I set it in front of him and he just started laughing. Um, he had a huge smile on his face while he was signing. He's like, well, well where do you want me to sign? And I'm like, wherever you want, man. I mean... You know, it's, you're the guy <laughs> signing it and he signed it and he just, he picks it up. He hands it back to me because this was really great. Thank you so much. Smiling nice. the whole time. Uh, I've had, you know, two autographs from Shatner and both of them have been amazing experiences. Um, and then honestly, I have to say that I had a great experience meeting Ronnie Rowe and Patrick Kwok Chun from uh, Star Trek Discovery. Yeah. Um, who played two of the bridge officers and, um, I must've talked to them for a good 10 minutes. You know, we talked a little bit about discovering Trek. We talked a little bit about fandom. We talked about STLV and they were just two of the warmest and nicest guys. I felt like I was meeting friends at a bar and not necessarily uh, meeting actors at a convention, getting their autographs. Those were really super exciting for me. And then I have to say, Dan, the fan sets party every year oh. is a legendary experience. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so many people, so many pins. Um, it's become really the central focus of my STLV experience. And I'm glad it's kind of in the middle because when it's over, it's like, you know, that we're sort of riding the crest right. downward very slowly mm-hmm. into heading back home. It's kind of the high point, you know, the zenith of my convention experience now. And I wouldn't have it any other way. Lou and John and Joe and everybody at, at Fansets. Um, sets us up for success every single year. Yep. And I'm incredibly grateful to them for that because it is, I'm not, I'm biased. I, I freely admit this, but it is the best Star Trek party that happens the entire week. I can't disagree with that. We have a blast. Everybody who's there has a blast. The staff at Smoked has a blast and they look forward to us every year. They've said, they said that it's our, it's their favorite party the entire year when we come over. Now they could say that to anybody, but they say it to us and we, we, we really appreciate it. So it's great. You know, Amity and, and Laureen are also two wonderful folks over at Fansets. They make it so easy to do things with them. And we love everybody over there. And it is it is the top of the mountain uh, in terms of, of 
of fun at uh, at STLV, and then 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 you start that downward, ready to go home a couple of days later. Now I will say that uh, I, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention meeting a whole bunch of campers at Star Trek yes. Las Vegas, a bunch yeah. of people from Camp Ketamer, a bunch of our patrons from our Patreon, and um, it, it was so fantastic to get to talk to so many of them. Uh, we got a great group photo of some of the campers uh, during STLV. We did a little photo op, um, and that was that was pretty awesome. I didn't realize that so many of them would be there. And then um, just meeting our our patrons one off and and giving them their Podfleet t shirts, which are part of the part of the mm-hmm. perks for that program. Um, so many people that um, we interact with that we've come to know online, and to finally be able to to put faces with names, or to finally be able to just meet in person really meant the world to me. So uh, I have to say those are probably the highlights of my convention, um, aside from uh, letting you go on your merry way once we got home, because spending a week with you (laughs) is kind of onerous. Oh, yeah, you're preaching to the choir there, champ. (laughs) (laughs) Well, buddy, we do it all again in 360 days, and uh, I'll tell you this, I can't wait. Um, Me too, bud. We're going to make it a fantastic time again. And um, here's to new experiences and brand new memories that we're going to treasure. I love it. I can't wait. That's a long 360 days, but it'll be here in no time. And you know what's going to help get us through, Dan, is listening to the music of our friends, the band Five Year Mission. They who will be bringing a podcast to the Trek Geeks Network of Podcasts um, sometime very soon, which we're Mm -hmm. very excited about. Uh, We are so grateful to them for for being able to use their music on each and every episode of Trek Geeks. It really does... um, add a, a real different level to the podcast that is far and away greater than Dan's and my voice for sure. So mm-hmm. we want everyone to check them out at fiveyearmission.net. Please buy a copy of all their CDs, get that physical media in your hands because physical media is, is awesome and uh, become a huge fan because we definitely are. And uh, now's the time to start telling creation. You want them for Voyager 25 because they are Fark's. It is Fark's favorite show. Absolutely. You know, they have to be at STLV next year. It has to happen. Let's make it happen. Hashtag make it happen. You know, Bill, it's not often that I talk about the latest Star Trek TV series here on this segment, but uh, today I have to do it. You know, season two of Discovery was amazing. There were so many great moments. Each episode had its own special something that I just loved, and this one was really no different. Great special effects as Discovery is stuck in between our reality and that of the mycelial network. I know you know where I'm going with this. Tilly's life hangs in the balance as she tries to help that alien band member who kidnapped her to her realm. But uh, nobody, nobody was prepared for the return of that once-thought-dead drummer who was killed way back in year one during that eventful recording to one of their songs. And this one had it all, Bill, even Section 31. I talk about, of course... The amazing episode, Saints of Imperfection. It was awesome. Awesome. You know, Abby just sat up next to me and perked up like, is something wrong? <laughs> she um, was like, that was awesome. No, that's not what she was. She, she looked at me like concerned. Uh, I, I, that was, I saw that one coming a mile away. And although it was one of your your least offensive Farkisms, it's... Um, <laughs> It, I'm still oh. left uh, crushed. Uh, yeah, well, crushed soul. Sorry, your imperfection. Just 
putting it out there. Keep yeah. going. <laughs> yeah, let's try to move past this because that was terrible. Uh, but of course, fiveyearmission.net, please d- go get all their albums um, because we love those guys and uh, we want to support them as much as possible. Of course, don't forget you can support the Trek Geeks Network of Podcasts by subscribing to bonus content via Patreon. You can get access to content that just isn't available anywhere else. See the first of our annual supporters' pins, a few of which will be sending out this week, Dan. Mm-hmm. And uh, get raw, unedited audio of all of our podcasts, along with a whole bunch of other perks. Absolutely. And we want to take a moment right now to thank our associate producers of Trek Geeks. We are so grateful for their support. They include Adam Sanders, Brandon Everidge, Heather Sohn, John Krikorian, Rick Tatro, Trey Womack, Shane Murray, Sean Lynn, Tim Robertson, Tim Serdar, Vikram Bhatt, Greg Rozier, Andy Fark, Kimberly Francis, Ron Robel, Brooke Horton, and the ever-smiling Christina Werther. Absolutely. And of course, we want to thank our Trek Geeks producers for their support. They are Ken Tripp, Casey Shafsky, Charlie Mulvey, Chris Trebuzio, Craig Ewing, Eric Extreme, Jackie and Chris Hackney, Leonel Marchand, Matt McGonigal, the aforementioned Mike Bovia, Harry Michelson, Patrick Escudero, Sean O'Halloran, Peter Craig, Ben Russett, Corey Stone, Ken Bird, and of course, the lovely and talented Scott Fashion. If you'd like to become a producer on the network or even get access to the raw audio for Trek Geeks episodes, head on over to patreon.com slash trekgeeks today, where subscription levels start as low as $1 a month. Next week, Dan, we are finally going to have that discussion that continues our celebration of the women of Trek, and we are honored to finally talk about this amazing woman. Yeah, we had to do some schedule juggling a few weeks ago, but next week we will finally have the long overdue discussion about the matriarch of Star Trek. You have seen or heard her in every Star Trek series before Discovery. TOS, TAS, TNG, DS9, Voyager, Enterprise, and even the Kelvin timeline. From number one to Loxana Troy, next week it's all about Major Barrett Roddenberry on Trek Geeks, the flagship of the Trek Geeks podcast network. Absolutely. A discussion I'm really looking forward to and, uh, Somebody who I think doesn't really get enough credit in the Star Mm. Trek world, but we'll talk more about that next week on an all-new Trek Geeks. Um, Of course, Dan, we want everyone to check out the other member podcasts of the Trek Geeks Network. Of course, there's us, but you can also listen to Discovering Trek, Polytrex, and of course, don't forget about Trek Geeks Game Night. They recorded a new episode of that yesterday, Dan, and that should be available on the YouTubes pretty soon. And of course, look for that to come to you in an audio-only format as well someday in the very near future and of course we always want to pay special tribute to our friends at treknews.net which is online at (laughs) treknews.net for now this has been episode 187 of the trek geeks podcast we do hope you all live long and prosper (laughs) oh coconut 25 i like it yeah love it love it love it Music for Trek Geeks is provided by Five Year Mission. They are writing one song for each episode of the original series. Download their music at fiveyearmission.net. Trek Geeks, a Star Trek podcast, is a production of Coconut Media Works, executive producer Bill Smith. For even more Star Trek discussion, check out Discovering Trek, a Star Trek Discovery Companion, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and discoveringtrek.com. Bing bong!
Bing bong. Bing? Bong. Crosby. But <laughs> I don't no. even know what to say to that. I know. That, you caught me off guard there. Yeah. That was that was pretty good. You know, do, you know, if we if we could sing on the show, we I'd start going right into the David Bowie Bing Crosby Christmas song. Yeah, no, yeah. I know what you mean. I thought maybe you were gonna come back with Denise Crosby. Oh, what oh, so we're gonna play that game where oh all but, right. I mean and that would have been a viable answer. Denise Richards, Richard Hatch, uh Lost had the hatch. I mean, we oh, could no. just go on forever and ever. No, I would have tried to keep it Star Trek after Denise Crosby. Oh, all right. Well that might have been a little harder. Well, that's the that's the really the thing, right? The seven seven degrees of trexpiration. Hey guys, that was great. Let's go get a coke. <laughs> ben Crosby's last words. Really? Yeah, he was playing golf. Uh, what a shock! Because the guy golfed every day, <laughs> and um, you know, they finished uh, finished around. You know, he, he putted on eighteen and said that was great, guys. Let's go get a coke, and then had a heart attack right there. Wow, I yep. I never knew that. The yep. things the things that you hear during the outtake section of the Trek Geek podcast is educational as well as informative, which is pretty much the same thing. I'd like to think myself as a fountain or a repository of totally useless facts. You're a fountain, all right. Wow. Yeah. You're you're a suppository. Whoa, that whoa, where did that come from? Where did that go? Oh, never mind. Never mind. Oh my goodness. So you're sounding a lot better than you were just 48 oh, hours ago when um, I saw you. Bleh, what a what a horrible week uh coming back from Vegas and getting con crud and for the first time and not fun, but uh I'm feeling much better. I got a little bit of a cough left, but not much. It's very manageable. But uh you know, I got to say it's worth it. It really is because it's a great week and we had such a great time and we met so many new people and reunited yeah. with so many others and uh, another unforgettable, if not the best uh, STLV that I've had in my five years going. I was going to say, this is your fifth straight. This is my ninth straight. Mm. And uh, it's right up there for me along my favorites. Um, I I had such a great time this year, which was the complete opposite of last year. Oh, Drama. Yeah, last year was a lot of drama, a lot of things beyond our control, and we just really decided to to just keep it close this year and right. and concentrate on the things that we wanted to do. And I mean, certainly we did some some work with regard to um, uh, furthering the Trek Geeks Network, which I think was very very mm-hmm. good, very crucial to uh, to what we want to do in, in in the coming years. But I I was really kind of excited as to. Just how much we all laughed. Oh, it was it was awesome. Laughing is the best medicine. And, you know, I just want to be sweet to you, Bill, so I'm going to be happy all the time and, and uh, do whatever I can to, uh, to make you laugh and, and everybody else uh, around us laugh. It was fun. It was, it, was, it was a lot of laughter, that's for sure. Oh, uh, it was. And the Fansets party, I mean, it, that keeps getting better and better every single year. I think we get more and more nervous before the party every single year. <laughs> yeah. And that's just an indicator of how great it's going to be. Yep. Um, we gave away more stuff, but did it in a much smarter fashion this year. And I, I think that yeah. that helped the flow of the party a great deal. It allowed us to mingle a little bit. Mm-hmm. It allowed us to be a little more natural on Mike. Um, I, I thought it was fantastic. I, I thought it was uh, the, the greatest one yet. And I, I can't wait till next year already. Yeah, me too. I had a blast. Um, I'll tell you what, having Star Trek playing on the screen was was just an added bonus to see it up there as we're doing stuff. 
we got everybody started chanting fight 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 when uh, Kirk and Spock started going at it in the naked time that was pretty cool but I think one of my favorite moments was when Robert Reyes actually won something and he was up on top at the uh, on like that <laughs> mezzanine level and you, I, it was like he just won something on the Price is Right it was hysterical I was like he hit the lottery <laughs> you know was, this gives me an idea for next year's fan sets party hmm. perhaps we do an episode watch on mute and we engage the crowd and every commercial break we give something away oh very so we nice pause every commercial break that's yeah. the you know because it's tos i mean the commercial breaks are you know right. like every other star trek card mm-hmm. you know you know when they're coming and then you know we we give a few things away then we get back into the the fight 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 if you wow will. i think good. that would be kind of neat i think that'd be awesome I, I'm, I'm i'm up for it i'll take it to the board see what they say <laughs> oh, okay, cool. <laughs> and I think we start with an episode like uh, Miri. Oh. Or And the Children Shall Leave. Oh, why I knew you were going there. You know, uh, maybe I'll do that guy as uh, cosplay next year. Which one? <laughs> uh, the attorney dude, Gorgon. Oh, the uh, lawyer in the shower curtain? <laughs> no, I will not do that. I was thinking you should do uh, Charles Napier's character. Oh, No. I don't, think, out to I, don't, Eden. I don't think so. Hey, no. brother. Oh, I thought you were talking about in uh, Little Green Man. No. <laughs> no, I'm talking Space Hippies, baby. I think I'll be galt again because I had so much fun with that. That was just awesome. You looked amazing. It was fun. A lot, and, and you know what's amazing? And, and in a bad way, and I'm serious when I say this, as fun as that day was, there was so much going on. You and I didn't get a picture with you. Of each other dressed up. I couldn't You and I it. were apart the whole day. Yeah. Yeah. Which That's... normally I wouldn't care about, but, uh, <laughs> but I'm just, I spent most of the day feeling like I was at Disney World in line. Yeah. Well, know, for things. Unfortunately, because I did the cosplay contest, the, 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 um, the judging started at three o'clock in the DeForest Kelly room. So I had to go in there and I was in there till six o'clock. Three hours where I couldn't be out on the on the floor, you know, mingling with people and getting pictures, and and then uh, was on the stage uh, from six to seven, and then in the Nimoy Theater. So that was unfortunate that that pretty much half the day was in that room, but it was worth it. My Starfleet boots were thankful for that period of time because I pretty much just sat in the main theater. Oh yes, all the time. Yep, um, taking you know propping my feet up. So yeah, that I was thankful for. Um, but, dude, you, you made it to the final round of the costume contest. Oh, my God. That's pretty awesome. Walking on that stage was so surreal. It was great. It was so cool. But you know what was not great? Jordan Hoffman is not a good MC. I, I'm sorry. He's just – he's not. Um, when he was trying to, uh, you know, um, ad lib for a little while, not good. Not no. good. That was that was like – some of the things he said, I was like, oh, my God, have you not heard of the Me Too movement? <laughs> it was a little embarrassing. Yeah, it was, but I'll put that aside and just uh, enjoy the fact that I scared Wilson Cruz to death. <laughs> and you didn't open the cloak. so I, Not that you know of, not on stage anyway. Wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's, that's really more detail than I ever needed. There you go. Are you ready to do this there, jerk? Yeah, stay to Star Trek. Let's do it. No. No. Sorry. Okay. You're very sorry. Thank you. Here we go. 